You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host here, Sosa Cremendous. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to tell you guys that amazing selections and reliably low prices are both available, as well as all the car parts that you need. All you have to do is visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. This episode is going to be a deep dive one where we take a look at the in-depth PFF numbers to take a gander at how the Rams looked in this week three contest between themselves and the Buccaneers, of course. And we wanted to thank you guys for making us your first listen all the time here at the Locked on Rams pod. Before we dive into this episode, very grateful for you guys listening. As always, the numbers have been tremendous. Looks like it's going to be our biggest month ever here at Locked on, at least Locked on Rams, I should say which is awesome. I mean, the Rams are playing well. They're 3-0, and so it makes sense that there's a lot more traction here. But we're going to dive into these in-depth numbers. I want to take a look at the running game. Of course, the offensive line, give those guys a little bit of love, and then dive into some of that defensive stuff that maybe we don't catch during the live performances, guys that were standing out as pass rushers, some of that coverage aspect as well. So we'll dive into the rushing game first. And I teased it in the intro there, talking about Sony Michelle, his performance in this game. I think when you look at the box score stats, You're probably not going to be blown away by 20 carries, 67 yards or whatever it was. It was under 70 yards for sure. And, you know, that's not really a great statistic. If you did not watch the game, you're probably coming away thinking that's not that impressive. It wasn't that great. But when you add some context here to this equation, it's really a lot more impressive than it looks, at least on the surface level. Of course, Sonny Michelle has only been with the team for a few weeks. So you talk about a guy that's still trying to get caught up in terms of the offensive formations, the schemes, the plays, the play calls, everything like that, the audibles, and not only that, but actually gelling and how the chemistry works with his offensive line, how these guys are going to block, how he can read their blocks, how they go about double teams and things like that. Everything is still new to this guy. So you have to, first of all, just give your hat off to him and really just give him credit for being able to step in and immediately handle essentially a workhorse-like load in this game He was very reliable with the football, no fumbles, pretty much no negative plays for the most part. I mean, he was pretty much gaining two, three, four, five yards at a time, whether it was a larger gain or a smaller gain. The one thing that really stood out to me in this game, and these numbers are all sourced from PFF where I work, he broke seven tackles in this game, made seven guys miss tackles, I should say. Seven missed tackles forced is what it's called. That is a lot in one game. I mean, when you look at Daryl Henderson throughout the first two games, he only had four missed tackles forced. Michelle almost had double that in just one contest as the workhorse runner, which is of course something to note. And that makes me wonder and maybe begs the question when we go one week, two weeks, five weeks into the future here and Daryl Henderson is eventually back to the lineup and he's healthy. Is there going to be a bigger workload or a bigger time split between these two guys, between Michelle and Henderson, there might actually be a conversation to be had here, in my opinion, because Michelle was really impressive in this game. I mean, he was consistently churning out yardage, whether it was one, two guys trying to bring him down. He always eked out another yard or two because he was running very tough behind his pads, low to the ground, low center of gravity. And then you look at these statistics that really help us take a look at who performed in this game it really starts to beg the question of 
maybe he's not better than Henderson. I definitely don't think he's better. I think Henderson is the better football player, the better running back, especially when it comes to receiving. But when you talk about maybe trying to last a little bit longer, that durability is still a question mark for both guys, not just Henderson. You might want to look into kind of divvying up the snaps between these two guys a little bit more so than they did in that first or second game where it felt like Henderson was out on the field for nearly every single snap, especially in the second game. So that is something to note and something we're definitely going to look out for in the next future weeks, the next few weeks, especially when Henderson does get back into the lineup. And if he can't return this week against the Arizona Cardinals, we're going to get another deep look at how Michelle is going to look against a much less imposing front seven, I would say. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are known to be one of the best run-stuffing units in the NFL. So it was every yard earned in that game. And it was kind of impressive that he still came away with nearly 70 yards rushing. Now looking at the next aspect here and the receiving game, something I had circled, I thought it was funny and something that I had to bring up just because it's really absurd. I mean, it really goes to describe and show you what kind of player Deshaun Jackson is. You look at the average depth of target, which I think is pretty self-explanatory, how far downfield is every target for these players. The Rams did not have a single player outside of Deshaun Jackson, of course, in week three to reach above 9.7 in terms of their average depth of target. Deshaun Jackson, on the other hand, 24.3. That was the average depth of his target. It was 25 yards downfield. I mean, that is ridiculous. And it helps put into context so much just what kind of player this guy is. I mean, he is a vertical threat first and foremost, and he can do more. Of course, we saw him running one of those crosser routes where he caught the ball and he didn't even tuck it away. He was literally holding it in one hand and swinging it up and down while he was running up the sidelines for a large gain. I mean, the guy still has so much speed and he pulled away. I think it was from Carlton Davis, who's a young player. He made Davis literally look like he was running a 5-4-40. That's how fast Deshaun still is. And, uh, you know, you look at this number and it's funny. I mean, it's funny to see how he's used and how he can still produce getting used so far down the field. The other number here that might be even more funny, to be quite honest with you, from PFF, receiving yards per reception. The Rams did not have a single player with above 11 receiving yards per reception. Deshaun Jackson, on the other hand, 40. He had 40 yards receiving per reception. I mean, come on. This is the literal description of what a big play threat is in the NFL. And I know the Rams did not use him much in the first two games. He only had 17 snaps played throughout those first two contests. But this is exactly what I envisioned for the Rams and Deshaun Jackson in this offense. Yeah, he's not going to get a 75-yard touchdown every week. But you need this guy to help take the top off the defense, which is going to allow guys like Cooper Cup to work underneath in those crossing routes and across the middle of the field. But not only that, it's going to help you generate some of these big chunk plays downfield And we know Matthew Stafford is going to air it out with no conscience. I mean, the guy wants to push the ball downfield. That's what kind of quarterback he is. And the Rams made sure to give him a weapon that definitely suits that very well in Deshaun Jackson. So it is going to be very fun to see after this performance, how many snaps can this guy get moving forward? Because those first two games was not utilized a lot. And head coach Sean McVay talked about, I need to find a better way to get this guy onto the field and utilized. And I mean, talk about this game. He had 120 yards, a touchdown, and could have had two more long touchdowns of 50 and 65 yards had he and Stafford had just a bit of a better connection there in their first real-life contest together, which I think just screams how high the ceiling is for this offense. And of course, 
We're going to dive into this offensive line performance here in just a second. You guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP and at Locked on Rams and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. And I wanted to tell you guys about an awesome app that everyone who drives should absolutely check out. It's called Get Upside. You can download it for free wherever you want on the App Store or Google Play. Everyone that listens to this podcast that is using it can save up to 25 cents per gallon every time they fill up getting cash back. You do not have to pay full price at the tank anymore. As soon as you sign up here, you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first tank back. No more full price at the pump. That is incredible for anyone that does commute to work or just drives far for whatever reason in general. You can cash out anytime to your bank account or various other forms, whether you like gift cards or whatever the case is, PayPal, it all works here. All you have to do is just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, that is TOUCHDOWN, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. And you guys know that we do love to talk about betting here. It is that time of year again. Football is back. All the action is back on the gridiron. And you guys can go check out all your betting needs at betonline.ag. I just placed a $50 bet on the Rams money line to beat the Arizona Cardinals here in week four. Maybe a little bit audacious. I didn't exactly trust the minus six spread, the Rams as the favorites. So I went with the money line, a little bit of a safer option. We'll see how that one works out. I always tell you guys, I'm not exactly a professional, but if you guys want to get all your updated odds, props, and contests, all you have to do is check out Bet Online. They are your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. Make sure to take advantage. All you have to do is head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to horse racing to box racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all your favorite sports and the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now we can pick up with where we left off at the offensive line here. I want to take a look at the hog mollies, the big guys up front. They are one of the harder positions to evaluate in real life time or, you know, on broadcast TV copies. I mean, everyone's watching the football. Nobody's really looking at the offensive line. So, I mean, these numbers are going to be very helpful to kind of just allow us to know what happened in this game. And we know that there was one sack allowed in this game. It was attributed to Rob Havenstein here, the right tackle. But I mean, that was a fluky stat and it shows in the PFF grade who, you know, he still had a very solid PFF grade. Really every offensive lineman other than David Edwards did, at least in terms of the pass protection. Now you look at some of the numbers here, the pressures allowed four by David Edwards, which led the team. It's kind of a lot, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't exactly a terrible performance either. Rob Havenstein, three pressures allowed. Andrew Whitworth, three pressures allowed as well. And then Brian Allen, one pressure allowed. Jake Funk, one pressure allowed. And Austin Corbett did not allow a single pressure. He was in the elite tier of grades here for the Rams when it comes to their offensive line. And I definitely want to spend at least a few seconds talking about just how great this performance was. And I talked about it on yesterday's episode as well. I wanted to dedicate some time to really just give these guys their credit because they have been so good through three games, both as run blockers and as pass protectors, but especially in the passing game, because you talk about it right now. And one of my guys that works with me at PFF, awesome guy, Seth Galina, he's been on this podcast. He mentioned that yesterday or two days ago, the Rams ran only three play action passes in this game. That was the fewest Sean McVay has ever ran as a head coach. And there's a reason for that. It's because he feels a lot more comfortable with his new quarterback. And I know a lot of you guys are annoyed with the Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford comparisons, 
but they're going to be tied at the hip together forever. That's just the bottom line. We have to compare them. It just makes too much sense not to. And a lot of the differences for the Rams here on the offensive side of the ball, at least, come down to the upgrade at quarterback. And a lot of people said there wasn't an upgrade here. I think a lot of the sane people knew that there was going to be an upgrade here between Stafford and Goff. And these are some of the examples that you could point to and really realize that there is an upgrade here. There is a difference. And what is the difference is Sean McVay doesn't really feel like he has to hold the hand of his quarterback anymore. He doesn't have to account for or make up for whatever Goff or whatever his former quarterbacks were missing because he trusts Stafford in those five wide shotgun sets and the offensive line. They were questionable last year. This year, suddenly they're arguably the best in football. What changed? I mean, nothing really changed. The only thing that changed was the center spot, right? The Rams went from Austin Blythe last year to Brian Allen this year. And Brian Allen was Blythe's backup last year. So if anything, they downgraded, yet the offensive line is playing better. And the reason for that might be the internal clock from the quarterback. Matthew Stafford knows that he has to get rid of the ball faster. He knows how to maneuver inside the pocket better. We talked about this a lot throughout the offseason. His pocket presence is better. It's always been better. He's been more mobile inside the pocket. He's more mobile outside the pocket. His internal clock is faster. He gets rid of the ball quicker and with a sense of urgency. And this all ties back to the offensive line. Not to say that they're not playing good. They're playing great for the most part. But at the same time, a lot of people do think pressures are a quarterback statistic. And now when you look at it, compared to last year, the offensive line did not really change. And last year, nobody was really talking about the offensive line as a top five, top 10 unit. Whereas right now, they are surely inside the top five, if not the best in football. That really just goes to show you some of the very subtle differences that we don't notice from the quarterback position when you go from a guy like Goff to a guy like Stafford, which is crazy to think too, because Stafford has some of the longest distance throws in the NFL right now. I mean, his average depth of target, his yards per attempt, both of those figures rank, if not at the top of the NFL, within the top two, three quarterbacks in football. And you would think that if the quarterback is throwing the ball deeper down the field more often, you're probably going to get pressured a little bit more, sacked a little bit more, yet that's not really been the case. I mean, when you can maneuver inside the pocket, when your offensive line is playing well, your offense is going to be able to be productive. And of course, that's been the case for the Rams right now. I mean, their offense is better than it's ever been. You look at the EPA per play, which means expected points added per play. And that's really just a good statistic that takes into context a lot of different things when you look at the down and distance, the expected outcome of what that average play might be. The Rams rank first in EPA per play right now as an offense compared to sixth last year through the first three games, which, I mean, of course, is no reason to scoff or laugh. Sixth is pretty good in the NFL too, but there is a gap right now. The Rams are now the best offense in football and that takes into context a lot of different things. And a lot of that comes back to the offensive line play, the quarterback play. And of course, those two always mesh together. We know that that's the case. Those guys are always working in unison and in tandem. And right now, the offense for the Rams is the best in football. And it goes to show because they've done a little bit of everything. You see the running game take into effect here in certain moments. I mean, the end of game two or in this game, the Rams run the ball a lot. And they were pretty productive in it. And then you look at the deep downfield passing game. I mean, week one, they strike multiple times. Week three, they do it again multiple times. There is such a new level of explosiveness that they didn't have last year. 
in this offense, and that is very visible. And then they also have that time of possession control type of game as well. And we've seen it mostly in this past game in week three, where they're stringing together 11, 12, 13 play drives and getting into scoring range, whether that's a field goal or a touchdown. And they can play those, you know, seven yards at a time, 10 yards at a time, four yards at a time type of offenses as well. They can be that while they can also be a big strike offense. They can be a running offense. They can be a screen offense. There is so much variation to this offense. And that is what makes this team so exciting, especially on the offensive side of the ball and why they're so productive through the first two games. In a second here, we're going to dive into what the defense looks like. But before we get there, make sure to keep tuning back in here at the Locked on Rams podcast as your first daily listen continuously, because we're going to continue breaking down this game. Tomorrow, former host Brad Motter is going to join me share his thoughts from this game. And then we're going to flip the page into week four, looking at the Rams and the Cardinals, their first divisional contest. But before we get there, I wanted to tell you guys about Rock Auto. They are a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. I know if you have a vehicle, you've probably went through the process of going to your mechanic, trying to get a car part that takes forever to come in. You're without a car for a few days, if not a week or two. It's too expensive. Nobody has time to do all of that. You just check out Rock Auto. It's going to make your life so much easier. I mean, they have literally all the car parts from any make and model that you can imagine. If you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, Rock Auto is the place for you to check out. Go to their website, check out everything they've got. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you there. And of course, you guys have heard me talk about the Locked on Beds podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling many times on this podcast. These guys are great. They're going to get you guys lined up for everything you need to know about the NFL, every other sport that you may be interested in when it comes to betting. But of course, we're talking about the NFL here, all the lines that you should avoid, take favorites, things to not touch. These guys are going to have you covered. Check them out at the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And now we can pick up here with the defensive side of the ball, flipping the page to the guys that really, they did a great job in week three. I mean, on Sunday, they limited the GOAT, Tom Brady, to basically 17 points. I'm not going to count those last seven garbage time points and yards that they accumulated there. They held the best offense, at least prior to game three, to 17 points. I mean, they really looked as susceptible as they ever have. And the Rams defense looked as good as they ever have. I mean, you look at some of these pass rushers. This is where we got to begin. Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald lead the way with five pressures apiece. Of course, both guys also got one sack notched each. This has been awesome. Leonard Floyd has stepped up in a big way throughout the last two games. Week one was a little bit quiet, but of course that was the Justin Hollins game, who by the way, did suffer a pec injury We don't have an update as of the time that I'm recording right now. Hopefully, knock on wood, he's okay because he is an important player for the Rams and they cannot afford to lose another edge rusher, especially a guy of that caliber who stepped up in a big way. So hopefully he's okay. And we will update you guys moving forward, of course, here at the Locked on Rams pod, making us your first daily listen. I appreciate you guys so much as well for that. But going back to these guys, Donald and Floyd, they really dominated this game. And you look at a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day, He registers four pressures himself in this contest. I mean, not to mention, these guys were amazing at stopping the run in this game. The Bucs could not do anything. At some point, they just tossed the running game out of the window and admitted that that was not going to work and try to throw the football, but they couldn't do that either. So just a great, great performance from these guys. Some of the other players that stepped up, Kenny Young, of course, got himself a sack as well. 
just kind of tossed Gio Bernard out of the way. Bernard just could not handle him. I mean, Kenny Young was just too big, too strong, too fast. It wasn't going to happen. He got an easy sack there. Two pressures for him, two pressures for Greg Gaines, two pressures Terrell Lewis, two pressures Jalen Ramsey. This was a team effort. It wasn't the Aaron Donald show and a bunch of random guys just not really doing anything. Everyone stepped up in this contest because it felt like the Rams took this one personally for whatever reason. I mean, there is no rivalry between these two teams, but at the same time, they acted like this was the San Francisco 49ers and they've been hating each other for 20 plus years. They had a great game on the defensive side of the ball and it all began with the guys up front, that front seven. They were unreal on the early downs, stopping the run. And then that forced the Buccaneers into second and long, third and long situations where they had to try to throw the football to catch up for being behind schedule in terms of the down and distances. And that's when these guys pinned their ears back and got after the quarterback. And now moving on to the coverage aspect here, which is maybe the hardest thing to identify, at least in real life time watching, especially on the broadcast copy. You have no idea what's going on. You can't see the whole field. Kenny Young was targeted 12 times in this game and gave up 12 receptions for 95 yards receiving and four first downs. That sounds terrible, but I'm going to guess a lot of that came at the end of the game there in those garbage time situations where Tom Brady was dinking and dunking to his running backs, Gio Bernard, guys like that. And ultimately, Kenny Young had a solid game in this one, so I'm not going to knock it. Jalen Ramsey gave up a little bit more than usual, eight receptions on 10 targets, 75 yards receiving, as well as four first downs like Young. Not his best performance, but I thought it was very confusing the way they were using him. They were rushing him a lot as a blitzer. You pay this guy money, top-tier money, quarterback one money, to guard guys, and not just guard guys, but to erase them. That is his best asset. Use it. I know you want to mix it up a little bit and bring him every now and again on a blitz, and that's great, but he shouldn't be blitzing five or ten times a game. Let him erase a wide receiver. That's what he does best. So not his best performance, per se, at least from the numbers, but when you look at the real-life impact, I mean, he was outstanding. So I would have to go back to watch the film to see if he really gave up that many receptions and that much yardage. Again, a lot of which came in garbage time, but we'll see. Taylor Rapp, five receptions given up on eight targets for 85 yards. Darius Williams, five receptions on seven targets for 61 yards. It sounds like a lot of these guys didn't play their best games in coverage, but again, a lot of this came in garbage time. I mean, Tom Brady had like 435 yards passing or something, and I'm going to wager that at least 150 of those came at the end of the third quarter, midway through the third, all the way throughout the fourth, where the Rams are winning by two or three scores, where they're not concerned about giving up eight, 10, 12 yard chunks. They're concerned with not giving up 57 yard touchdowns. So ultimately, I think that's kind of just a matter of, you know, game plan and schematics and adjustments where the Rams don't care how many yards they're giving up. They're winning the game. They just want to win the game and they're going to adjust as necessary. And that's what they did. So, you know, some of these numbers not going to reflect great in terms of how they looked, but the real life impact, they shut down the best offense in football. Mike Evans did nothing. Chris Godwin did nothing. Rob Gronkowski did nothing. These are guys that were feasting throughout the first two weeks. I mean, Chris Godwin was unguardable. Rob Gronkowski, four touchdowns in the first two weeks. None of these guys did anything against the Rams. So really speaks to the quality that the Rams have in terms of their coverage and defense in general. And the last thing that I want to touch on here, and this one is for the fans, Rams Nation, Mob Squad, whatever you guys want to call yourselves. I want to give a big tip of the cap to everyone that showed up at SoFi Stadium because You've heard Tom Brady talk about it. Some other people, Aaron Donald, everyone who was at that stadium, they said that was amongst the loudest stadiums and atmospheres that they've ever been in in their careers. And it's crazy to think, man. LA, 
I'm not going to suggest that they're becoming a football town. I mean, there is just too much to do in LA. And of course they have some deep rooted legendary teams like the Lakers there that are never going to get overtaken, but man, it is awesome to see all of the LA natives, everyone who's there buying into this team, because of course we know this team is great. We know they're going to go far. There is no questions about that. Barring injury, this team is one of the best in football, if not the best in football. We talked about it on yesterday's podcast. They are the best in my mind. Now everyone's starting to buy into it. You see a lot of the celebrities there, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, PG-13, Paul George, all these people were at the game. But even with that being said, the fans were there. I mean, it's more than just the celebrities. It's the fans at the end of the day that are paying money for products and jerseys and putting their blood, sweat, and tears into watching their team that have watched you know, the Rams of 10 years ago, watching guys like Austin Davis and Kellen Clemens and Keith Knoll take snaps at quarterback. This is for you guys. I'm so happy to see you guys happy. Of course, the Rams are going to be one of those teams that are going to have a legit shot to win a Super Bowl here. And you guys are showing out at SoFi Stadium. Hopefully the Rams can continue this home field advantage. Hopefully it can become, you know, the next Arrowhead Stadium where it's louder than rock concerts and one of the loudest stadiums in the world when it comes to opposing fans and things like that. That would be so cool to see. And ultimately, SoFi Stadium, a beautiful place. I'm sure everyone that's been there has loved it. And I mean, this is just great. It's another additive that's only going to help this team. It's not going to hurt them. It's going to give them the juice they need when they're tired, when it's late in the game. And you saw it come to fruition a little bit where third and long, you see a few guys in the Bucks jump a little bit. They get that false start, things like that. That is where the fans can impact the game. And ultimately, you guys may have a say in how the Rams perform when it comes to those little pre-snap penalties and things like that. So get loud, be proud. The Rams look great. Of course, make sure to keep tuning back in here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week. Continue to make us your first daily listen here. We're going to break down everything you need to know about this game. My man, Bear Motter, former host, is going to jump on tomorrow and share everything he's got from this game. And then we're going to flip the page and look into week four, the first divisional game for the Rams. Rams, Cardinals, back at home, back at SoFi. Hopefully you guys show up and show out. And hopefully the Rams get into that game and continue their winning streak against Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. Of course, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QBsMEP, at Lockdown Rams, and on YouTube at Lockdown Rams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.